Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Stop. Piki mai, kake mai, and welcome to Our Changing World, ko Alison Balance Tene. It's Conservation Week, and the theme this year, Love My Backyard. How's your week going? So far, I've caught two rats, both big fat males. That should make it slightly safer for the garden geckos. The tui are enjoying the last of the kōwhai flowers, and I'm really pleased with how well some threatened native plants, such as nutukaka or kakabik, and mulembekia astonai or marsh ribbonwood are doing. But it's not just about gardens. Our backyards extend far beyond the garden fence to include parks, beaches, forests, rivers and lakes. And all around the country, many amazing individuals and community groups are getting out and showing their love for nature in all sorts of ways. So to mark Conservation Week, let's meet some folk who are big on clean water in their backyard. I'm standing by a stream on the waterfront of Lake Wanaka in central Otago, and I'm here to meet some people involved in a project called Touchstone. And it's about Lake Wanaka being a touchstone for the broader community around here, both the urban and the rural community. And it's a story about water quality and citizen science. My name's Eddie Spearing. Uh, I live in Wanaka. I'm a designer and I run the Ruby um, Island Swim. So I'm Chris Arbuckle. I'm wanting to live in Wanaka and uh, I'm an environmental consultant. Now we're standing on the shores of Lake Wanaka. Can you describe what we're seeing and explain to me what all these boys are, Eddie? Okay, so we're down at the left hand corner at the town end, looking out across the lake. To our left is Ruby Island. Now, right in front of us, we've got a 450-metre stretch of um, buoys, which is a swim line specially put in for swimmers to keep the boats out. Uh, there's a swimmer out there now, actually, making a way along. Now, it's mid-spring, and you've already been in the water today? Yeah, I had a swim this morning. And how cold is it out there? Today is 11 degrees, which is a bit nippy. And that's quite an understatement. Now, Eddie's a key member of the Wanaka Lake Swimmers Group, and he organises the annual lake swimming event around nearby Ruby Island. But it was a shared love of mountain biking and good coffee that originally brought Eddie and Chris together. We sat in Kai Whakapai, cafe locally, and talked about what each other does for a living. And, uh, and Eddie saw that we had a common interest in the lake and water quality to some degree. And that kicked off Touchstone, which is a project that myself, Eddie and Erica Van Rienen are involved in. And all of us have a, a love of this place. And mine started sort of 49 years ago when I used to live here as a kid. And I used to swim in this lake when I was little. Got a lot of duckage back then because there was heaps of duckage across this bay. And um, I suppose that's where I fell in love with water too. So most of my, my career is in water. And coming back here to do some fun stuff for people like Eddie is kind of where the heart is. So that's how it all kicked off really. So Touchstone's a community project. Tell me a little more about it. Yeah, so it's building as one. So we've got 
three solid projects at the moment. We've got one called uh, Freshwater Beasties on Drains, so we've got the Wanaka Primary School, 18 really smart young children involved in that project, telling the story of an eel, uh, rainbow trout, the invader, and uh, grebe, and um, a native fish called Kararu, which is basically a, a whitebait species that's in the lake. So we've had them telling the story of these creatures. We've got nice little silhouettes made out of steel. We're going to brand them with um, only rain down the drain or something like that. And they'll go beside drains right the way through Wanaka. So that's to tell people that stormwater's one of those things that needs to be managed and mostly that you shouldn't chuck stuff down a drain like paint or, or wash your car near a drain and get that message across. So we've also got a project which is working with Mount Aspiring Station doing a wetland enhancement, a restoration project. And so that's about reinstating... Um, and we'll head to Mount Aspiring Station to hear more shortly. ...initiatives tied through a larger project. But the cool one is here, basically, where we're standing, and we're working with a citizen science-funded project through Curious Minds. So we've been taking water samples, and one of the key questions that Eddie wanted to know was, what's the water quality like? So we're getting a good idea about how pure the water is, so the, the bacterial levels and the nitrate and phosphorus levels... And we've been sampling water quality out of the creeks and drains that flow into Roy's Bay. So collecting water samples, that's something you and your co-swimmers are doing? Yeah, currently it's about five or six, and we do a combined swim and kayak. And we do some visual testing with a couple of black disc and sechi disc. So what does that do? That tells you how clear the water is? Yeah, it is. And so you, the swimmers, we, we swim away from the boat, the, the canoe and with a tape measure and at the point that we cannot see the black disc we measure it and it's surprising how that varies the swimmers collect 12 samples each month which is sent to hills laboratory in christchurch for testing and so we're focused on getting baseline information so the samples these guys have taken haven't been during periods of rain because we want a baseline of what the lake's like when everything's hunky-dory and then the next phase is doing more sampling, like areas where we're increasing swimming, so more swimmers, more information, but also look at when a rainfall event hits this bay, what the water quality is like both in the drains but also in the lake, and that gives you your extreme sample. So we'll get that before Christmas. Um, we've already been talking to funders about extending the project because they're saying that we're doing stuff. And uh, so I, like it, it's just so much fun because we get out here, get wet, they threaten to throw me in the lake because I can't swim too well, and, um, and I try and talk in a little less Klingon state of mind. So uh, in that way, we're just sort of doing stuff and getting a bit more learning about what the water quality is like in the lake. So when someone comes up with a question for us, it's not that we'll fix it. It's what can you do? You can sit on the sideline and watch and point and say, when are they going to do something? But the moment someone steps forward and does something, could be anything, guess what? Other people go, oh, that's interesting. How can I help? And the fact of taking that first step makes more people come in and makes awareness increase. And that's like a, it's a big snowball effect. It grows and grows. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks, Chris. I'm about to meet some more members from the Wanaka Swim Club to find out why they are keen and interested in being involved in this Touchstone project. But just before they turn up, I'll, I'm going to pop down to the lake edge and just see how cold the lake is. I'm not going to go in it. I'm just going to dabble my fingers in. Actually, that's surprisingly warm. Mind you, it's only about a centimetre deep. I'm Doug Robinson. I work in architecture as well, and I'm a swimmer in the lake. 
Hi, I'm Marjorie Cook. I work in Wanaka as a reporter and I've been a lake swimmer. Hi, I'm Jackie Boyd and I'm an insurance broker in Wanaka and also the president of the Wanaka Lake Swimmers Club. Can you tell me a little bit about why you are all involved in it? Um, it came up in conversation after the Ruby Swim, which is an event that we had um, was for the second year um, earlier this year with Eddie Spearing, and about how much... Um, we were capturing of um, some sort of algae here yep. <laughs> on our bodies and hair and skin when we finished swimming. And one of Eddie's motivations was to try and help clean up the lake as a result of the um, Ruby event. And we were talking about it as swimmers, about what this algae possibly could be and what we could do about it. But we had no answers. And then, of course, this touchstone project came about. And between Eddie and Chris, they got us involved to, to um, see whether or not we could help them out. Was this the lake snow that I've heard about? Yes, yeah it is. So like, oh, we swim around Ruby Island just for fun and I find with my togs that um, I pick up a lot more. Lake uh, snow, sometimes less charitably called lake snot, is Landavia intermedia, an invasive microscopic algae that clumps into snowflake-sized lumps. It clogs the town's water filters and showers as well as coating swimmers that it's starting to become a little bit more greener than the kind of nice crystal blue clear waters. So it's been good to kind of start to figure out what it is and is there something we could do about it. One of the big changes that I had noticed over time was how the rocks had lost their sparkle. Mm. When I was a child swimming here in the lake in the holidays, I always remembered the incredible shine of all the stones, you know, the gravel. It's just got this absolutely brilliant jewel-like quality to it and then it started to get in the last over the last 10 years starting to notice it being covered with slime and we were starting to talk about how it was really slimy and um, it wasn't until I went swimming up at Calhoun's beach um, maybe five years ago that I really noticed that it didn't have the slime up there but it did down here it sounds like the good thing about the Touchstone Project is it's a nice, practical, scientific thing to do. Well, it is. It's something that we can do. So Chris has um, guided us and taught us how to do water quality testing. So there's actually three components. One is actually physical water tests. Um, another one is a clarity measure with a disc. And the other one is collecting it on a string line, so picking up any of this algae debris that's floating in the water. We've actually only done that once. It wasn't particularly successful but our season starts again in a couple of weeks so that's when we're really going to be able to crank up those additional tests other than just the water And I reckon that line one will be more affected come summer because I think the algae is still kind of temperature. temperature. Mm -hmm. It's still 12 degrees. It's come up from 8-9 so it's kind of coming up so I have a feeling we'll start to see more of that algae kind of come through especially as we go through summer. The same thing with duck itch. Duck itch, in case you haven't come across it, is a parasite. It gets under people's skin and creates red lumps that can be extremely itchy. The parasite's life cycle involves ducks and snails, which thrive on lakeweed. Touched on and kind of doing the water quality as we may have found something that hopefully will reduce the amount of duck itch. So tell me a bit more about that. From what I understand, like the snails feed on the extra weeds that's been growing because of all the nutrients that have been going into the water so with fewer nutrients and fewer weeds therefore hopefully fewer snails maybe not so many parasites so therefore we're not going to get tormented so much. We'll come back to the story of those nutrients coming into Roy's Bay but first we're off to meet Randall Aspinall. 
He's a fourth-generation farmer on Mount Aspiring Station, which lies just below Mount Aspiring National Park. The farm is in a high rainfall area and doesn't have many fences, but Randall is well aware that he's upriver of Lake Wanaka and that whatever he does on the farm flows down to the lake. So we're up the um, Tokitoki Valley, which is River Valley, which is about 40 kilometres northwest of Wanaka, and we're in pretty much the middle of our farm at the, um, the Wishbone Falls access track. There's waterfall and a, um, a dock walking track over there and we're just next to the site where we've got a um, bit of a joint project going with fish and game, touchstone, forest and bird and dock to restore a small wetland area and do a bit of native planting. So it's got some rushes in here, what's going to happen? What's your plan for the planting? So we've got a, a grant from Fish and Game out of their Habitat Restoration Fund which with which we'll um, fence off the whole area. And over here we've been working on a, um, on a bund to try and get a bit more water in the wetland itself. And then the plan is in the autumn to um, have a sort of a working bee with the local forest and bird branch to come out and plant some um, native plants. What kind of farm have you got? High country sheep and beef. Got about 5,000 sheep and run just under 800 cattle. Yeah, it's reasonably extensive farming in a river valley, taking in the, the river floor and then farming up the hill slopes on the sunny sides to about 1,000 metres. So in terms of environmental management on your farm, what are the things that you're having to manage and consider at the moment? You've got the Matukituki River running right through your farm. Obviously that feeds down into Lake Wanaka. A lot of the data and I guess the opinion we're getting out of the regional council and that is that we're not far off where we need to be. Um, they, they generally think the water quality in this area is pretty good. Um, they don't really want to see any significant intensification of, of the land up here, but yeah, we've probably got no real plans to do that. Maybe just probably do our existing stock a bit better. So I think a lot of ours is just I guess little changes, the likes of these wetland areas, fencing off some of our more sensitive waterways, the ones that are sort of slower moving or soft banked where stock access can have an impact. We have just dropped our cattle numbers back a wee bit, which was sort of a joint environmental financial decision. There's obviously a big focus on the environmental stuff at the moment, and it is something that we all need to be pretty conscious of because I guess for us the lake is the or as Chris would put it it's the touchstone or it's the marker of what's happening upstream there's obviously some issues around Lake Snot or Lindavia which has turned up in the last few years it looks like that's an invasive species rather than a sort of a nutrient driven or a um, climate driven species but I mean for a lot of places in New Zealand but definitely around here I think if everyone just tries to think about the environment a bit more with the decisions they're making we can probably make some decent gains without needing to spend huge amounts of money or huge amounts of time and then um, once we get a better idea of the information and the sort of the trends um, that'll I guess tell us whether we need to go further or whether what we're doing is, is sufficient. I guess one of the big questions we get up here is around fencing waterways and stock access to waterways. And um, and through our testing to date, we've 
the, the indicators of, I guess, stock access to water have shown no change between water coming in and water going out. So while pretty early days, and you know, it's only four samples, so a bit more would be good. Like I sort of feel it gives a pretty good indication that with the, the low, relatively low stock numbers we've got relative to the amount of water going down the river, the rainfall and the length of waterways we have on the property, I, I think fencing all of our major waterways is probably going to have minimal, if any, environmental effect. But what it has shown is that there is an increase in the nitrate levels from where they come in to where they go out, which could be in part due to, to natural factors, but I mean will certainly be at least in part to, to what we're doing here. And that's why that's probably our focus going forward and something that we want to maybe concentrate on a wee bit more. A quick clarification here. Extensive beef and sheep farms are not covered by the Sustainable Dairying Water Accord, which commits intensive dairy farms to fencing off streams and rivers and planting riparian strips. A lot of it is just um, thinking when you break fencing and managing stock, just trying to make the environment part of every decision you make and then hopefully those incremental changes will add up. And I guess in in the wider sense we're working a bit with the the community and and the other farmers in the area to, I guess, try and get everyone on board with that idea of making little changes and hopefully um, reducing the cumulative impact on the environment. The Touchstone project is pretty new but it's already ticked off its first small victory for water quality and the Wanaka swimmers are hoping it'll lead to a reduction in duckage in their favourite swimming spot. Here's Chris and Eddie again on the banks of that small stream I was standing by at the very beginning of the story. OK, so this little creek runs down into the bay where you go swimming and wearing your professional hat, Chris, what's the stream looking like? At the moment, pretty weedy and uh, a lot of algae, a lot of filamentous algae. So that sort of points to some nutrient issues with the creek. And for me personally, I've gone past it a number of times, looked at it, thought, that's weedy. Um, and until you kind of get into things with a bunch of people that live in the place, you don't ask questions like, well, why is it weedy? The Lake Swimmers Group on the Sunday morning, we all meet just over there. And we have to cross this creek to get to the lake. And at certain times of the year, well, there'd be a little, very small amount of water flow, and it'd be black and weird-looking and horrible, and like, we're like, ugh, I'm not... I don't even want to touch that. I'm just going to walk over it. But, you know, so there's always been something in the back of our minds going, don't really like the look of that. But we've been doing that for years and years and years and years, until Chris just thought he'd take a sample. So the key thing here is to look at what influences the swimming. So regardless of this current state of this waterway, it was a good thing to sample. So we planned that out, and the first water quality sample came back with a bacterial level of 5,800 CFU per 100 mil. Which Which means what? Which means um, it's full of shit, actually, (laughs) putting it bluntly. What's a CFU? It's a coliforming unit, which is just a blob of bacteria. And so that's a common um, measurement for swimming water quality standards. So out there in the bay, um, 260 is an indicator that this is maybe a are beginning to be an issue with water quality for swimming. And this was over 5,000? Yeah. So from that point of view, the, the first and sensible thing to do is ring the regional council and say, uh, I think we've got a bit of an issue. I walked up the creek because I thought immediately once we got that reading back, I thought there's something a bit odd here, and just 
over there, um, there was a pipe coming out and there was sewage fungus growing beneath it. And evidence of toilet paper. Now, that's embarrassing for me because I've ridden past this creek a number of times. I've looked at it, thought, yep, it's weedy, but that's not unusual for these spring creeks. Um, and the groundwater that feeds these creeks actually has nitrogen and phosphorus in it. So in summer, you get this. But if you look at it now, it's full of filamentous algae. That's uncommon in winter, and it had a lot of algae. And then uh, when the guy said it's Stinky Creek and Duckitch Corner, I went, oh, OK, yeah, radio. Um, so he proved the fact that something wrong with the creek. The Queenstown Lakes District Council were really responsive. Uh, they did a dye study on the houses upstream with the stormwater drain found one that had a cross-connected surge and stormwater drain, and that's not uncommon, oddly enough, in, in areas that have a lot of very fast development. So a plumber had a bad day. Um, so that's been going into this creek maybe seven years. Uh, and so getting out, doing it, fix it, sorted, it'll take a while for this creek to recover because there's a lot of um, nutrients held in the sediment. As you can see, it's still ticking over. But we'll get some water quality results back uh, in a couple of days' time, and that should show that the overall water quality has improved from a bacterial level um, a lot. And I suppose the cool thing about that lake is it dilutes a lot of the stuff that humans do, and that's why we call touchstone touchstone, because that's a signature or a memory of what happens in the water. So this thing here was just feeding stuff into the lake. Mother Nature was trying to take care of it with all this growth of weeds and stuff. But the neat thing is you can tick a box, right? You fix something. And, uh, and now we know coming into summer and we didn't know it before, that there's not as much crap going into that patch of the lake. This is really quite an active little corner lake. Those guys have just launched their kayaks and these children over here are playing and we sort of call it like multi-sport corner now because it's where everybody comes to get in the lake. You know, so it's really quite a busy wee place and to know that through what the swimmers have done, just asking questions. I mean, we had no idea where it was going to take us, but to know that we have somehow cleaned up just a tiny little mm. issue makes me feel really proud. Kind of open my eyes a bit to ask a bit more questions about not just what's coming in just to our little swimming hole, but kind of what's going into the overall, into the lake and affecting all of us. So and it, it is, so hopefully the Bodies and everybody will get a bit of a benefit from all the, the students and the kids up and as well as us kind of helping out and trying to find what's going on. It's quite rewarding to actually be doing something after having those conversations probably about a year ago of we noticed all of these changes but what do we do? We, we're just swimmers. <laughs> um, and then to actually be actively involved doing something um, valid and obviously fixing yeah. something so quickly was very rewarding. People shouldn't even think that the lake is in any way dirty it's, it's pristine it's, you can drink it you can drink straight out of the lake, dip in a cup have a drink of water, it's just amazing and we're very very lucky to have this right here just got to look after it like Wanaka's really growing lots of fingers have been pointing at oh it's the farmer's fault, it's the rural fault but there's so much going on here that it, it's impossible to just point fingers in one direction it's all Parts of the lake need to take a good long look at what they're doing down to their own personal actions with what can affect the lake. And that's really important. That's one of the things we're just trying to do. Thanks, everyone. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World story first aired on RNZ National on October the 17th, 2017. Want to know more? Just search for Our Changing World on rnz.co.nz. We are also on the RNZ app.
And you can subscribe to our podcasts at iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Matewa. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.